Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Prospect Macarena, the Prospect Q&A, brought to you by Birds on the Black. It's also brought to you by people on Twitter who have asked me questions after I asked them to ask me questions. Now, what I'm most excited about is this is more of a continuation of the last Prospect Macarena. Uh, as we covered in the last Prospect Macarena that debuted just a day or so ago, uh, we had 20 different people ask 25 total questions, and that probably would have gone on for an hour, hour and a half. So we decided to split that into two different episodes for easy listening and easy watching purposes. Again, I'm Kyle Reist. I am your host. I am, I, I guess, the minor league guy for Birds on the Black, uh, but you should definitely tune in and read Birds on the Black for more reasons than just the minor leagues. Um, again, we had some tremendous questions the last go-around. Uh, this go-around is going to be a little bit longer, a lot more to get to, and uh, we have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 people who ask questions, uh, and they're, they're pretty thorough, as it were. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, if you have any questions, you can always email me at kyler416 at yahoo.com, or if it's easier for you, hit me up on Twitter at kyler416. Uh, the first question comes from the gentleman who runs our Little Birds on the Black site. It is Cardinals Gifts. And he asks for the best take-it-or-leave-it package for Machado. Now, I believe what Mr. Gifts means by this is uh, what would you offer, what would be the package that the Orioles, the Cardinals would present to the Orioles that the Orioles would not be able to say no to. And if they said no, you wouldn't be able to be a rebut from the direct message that you sent. Oh, um, you, sorry, I've got things going on on my screen. Um, you wouldn't be able to like go back and say, well, we can do better than that. Uh, in my opinion, if you're looking for a rental and if you want to blow the Orioles out of the water for Manny Machado, uh, you're talking about Luke Weaver, Jose Martinez, although they have Chris Davis, they can get clever with that. And another prospect, uh, John Gant. Uh, that would be it. Any combination of two major league players with good control, like Luke Weaver and Jose Martinez, uh, I, I wouldn't go any further than that. Uh, that's a generous offer for four months, even if it is of one of the elite players in baseball. Now, if the Cardinals wanted to sweeten the pot, uh, you throw Gyro Munoz in there and maybe John Gant, and then that's, that is an extremely, extremely generous offer for four months of a player that you probably have a less than 50% chance of signing. Um, ideally, I've talked about it a lot on Twitter, I would never go that far. Uh, Jose Martinez is really interesting. I think that I would consider moving Jose Martinez in that particular deal. Uh, Jose Martinez, Jairo Munoz, and John Gant is a really good offer. But if you're talking about uh, the puke point for the Cardinals and the organization, Luke Weaver, Jose Martinez, and maybe one other guy uh, would be way beyond the puke point in my, in my mind. Jose Martinez really is the wild card in all this. And also, I would like to say that I would not, under any circumstance, trade Luke Weaver in that deal. Uh, I would be reluctant to trade any starting pitching, uh, but the Orioles are going to want starting pitching, and that's where the, the deal gets uh, a little bit more complicated. Good question, Gifts. Love you, buddy. Uh, Ryan Massey, who used to do, and I think still might do a little bit of writing for the Redbird Daily, he asks, will Austin Gomber get a start in Pittsburgh this week? Well... Piggybacking off of uh, uh, 
the question that keeps getting asked, what are the Cardinals going to do when Alex Reyes gets healthy and Carlos Martinez gets healthy in the rotation? Right now, the Cardinals have a healthy full rotation, and I don't know who you would take out to get Austin Gomber a start. Now, uh, I do think Austin Gomber deserves a start in the majors. I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. And uh, with uh, uh, Brett Cecil back in the, in the organization, back in the Major League Club, with Tyler Lyons, patron pitcher, making a debut very or, uh, coming back off of the DL very soon, and, and Ryan Sheriff, who's still hurt down in AAA, but close to making uh, a return in the next couple of weeks, more than likely. Uh, it doesn't look like we're going to see Austin Gomber at the Major League level anytime soon, and that's a shame. Uh, I guess best case scenario is he ends up being a 26 man and a double uh, uh, added to the roster as part of a doubleheader. So unfortunately not, I don't think we're going to see Austin Gomber this weekend in Pittsburgh. Uh, Oberon Quinn asks, the scouting report on Steve Barron and most interesting player available when cards draft. The scouting report on Steve Barron is Steve Barron was a highly thought of prospect in his early 20s who never reached his potential. Uh, he is a defensive first catcher who does a great job of calling the game, who can't hit his weight uh, or maybe even half of his weight at the major league level. Uh, you know, I, I, that's all that Steve Barron is, is. He's an organizational depth piece who's getting a chance because Yachty got hurt and the Cardinals are afraid to pull the trigger on Andrew Kisner. Uh, also, Carson Kelly got hurt. He is just, he's kind of a guy, but you know what? Good for him for being back in the majors, and hopefully he gets a chance to string together a couple hits and a start or two, and it was nice to see him get his first major league hit uh, over the weekend. Oberon's uh, second question is, most interesting player available when the cards draft? There are so many players, and the Major League Baseball draft is such a crapshoot. And part of the reason I wanted to answer this question is I wanted to go over just the dynamic of the Major League draft. What they say uh, entering last season was that 50% of Major League first-round picks make a debut. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have a positive impact. It just means that they make a Major League debut. Think about that. That's how rare it is to find a player uh, or to draft a player even amongst the best that you've scouted and have them... Uh, perform exceedingly well at the major league level. The other thing I want to say about the major league draft is when you watch these guys play, uh, there are guys who will go in the seventh round from one through 10 rounds that dominate their competition at the high school and collegiate levels. Uh, it's hard to not get excited about any of the players. What I will say, a uh, little spoiler alert for people who haven't uh, subscribe to Baseball America, and you should definitely subscribe to Baseball America because they do the Major League ba Baseball draft better than anyone. Uh, they have Bryce Turang going to the Cardinals in their most recent mock draft. Now, Turang is a lot like Delvin Perez in his ability. It's raw. You can see him sticking at shortstop. Uh, he's a high school age kid with tremendous tools. His swing is a little wonky, so you worry about how his swing will translate. Uh, at the major league level, if he ever makes it to the major league level. Um, but that is a really, really interesting player who uh, is going to the Cardinals in a mock draft. I think that's worth keeping an eye on. If the Cardinals take Bryce Turing at 19, and it all depends on who's there or whatever, but that's a player to get really, really excited about. Uh, at some point during the offseason, Bryce Turing was considered a top 10 prospect, and then I saw him in top 15. 
He struggled to hit at the beginning of the year. He's starting to come out of it. Again, his swing's wonky. I'd like to see him clean it up. He kind of has that like a Chiro, um, Jonathan Machado, Magnura Sierra kind of like lunge and swing. Uh, if he can find a good base, I could see him incorporating power. But right now, my concern is that he would be more like Pete Cosmo by the time he got to the majors than anything. That doesn't mean that he's not an exciting player because if we talk about Pete Cosmo in relation to the, uh, the preface that I gave earlier, Pete Cosmo was actually a successful first-round draft pick, although we don't view it that way. Uh, so I will say Bryce Terang, uh, but there is countless other guys that are worth getting excited about at 19 overall if the Cardinals take him. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Auberon, who just hit me up on Twitter as we go. Uh, Travis White. Mm. It won't surprise you that I'm having a little taste of bourbon as we do this thing. Um, Travis White asks, how soon will Juan Yepes adjust to high A? Uh, for those of you who don't know, Juan Yepes was the gentleman who was uh, traded for Matt Adams last year that we all wrote off. And then he was a third baseman and when he was traded to the Cardinals and then was moved to first base. When he was moved to first base, all of a sudden he started hitting. It was like uh, that weight off of his shoulders from playing third base and sucking there uh, really allowed him to mature as a hitter. Juan Yepes started back in Peoria this year as a 20-year-old and performed exceedingly well. He, other than Larry's Montero, he was the best player at Peoria. So he got a promotion to Palm Beach, which is where he's at now and where he's played about 10, 15 games at. He's been terrible over those games. And when I say terrible, I don't mean like I don't mean like encouraging bad, but he's going to struggle. He just hasn't been good yet. So, to answer the question, when might he adjust to high A? I can't guarantee that he will adjust. Uh, I think I think I would like to see him adjust within 2 months. Now, that seems like a big window for a kid to to uh, gain traction at a level. But the Florida State League is a tough league to be a hitter in. Uh, Palm Beach is a tough league to hit in. Uh, it's a tough, a tough hitting environment. Um, I could very well see the potential that Juan Yepes doesn't adjust at all this year. He's swinging at a lot. He's making soft contact. It just doesn't look good right now. I'm not going to write him off either. That's not fair. It's just the question being, when will he adjust? I can't say it'll happen for sure. Uh, there were enough doubts about his prospect standing coming into the season, although he was young, that there's no guarantee it's going to happen. But what I know is he's a hard worker, an intelligent young man, and I could very well see within the next two months uh, him turning it around. The Palm Beach coaching staff is solid. Uh, the Cardinals organization, their headquarters, is at Roger Dean, which is basically, well, which is where uh, the Palm Beach Cardinals home games are played. So, He's going to have every opportunity, every chance. But right now, it just doesn't necessarily seem like it's there for him. And uh, keep your eyes peeled. I would like to see him take a few more pitches and get his pitch. Right now, it just seems like he's going after everything. And because of how disciplined of a hitter he was in Peoria, there's reason to believe that he'll rediscover that discipline at Palm Beach. Uh, it's just I can't say that it's going to happen. Sorry. Here's to Juan Yepes, though. Uh, I wish him nothing but the best. Mm-hmm. PJ Bold, B-O-L-D-T, asks, position player with the best chance to be MLB's best player. The Cardinals don't have one in the organization right now. Uh, Tyler O'Neill would be the guy, and it wouldn't even be best ball's best 
baseball's best player. It would be most productive hitter. Uh, it would be, and that's it. Uh, they don't have a guy in the system that fits that criteria. They've got a lot, like, it's not going to be Andrew Kisner. He's not. He's going to be a good major leaguer, if not great major leaguer. Uh, but he's not going to be baseball's best player. He's going to be a fine, fine everyday regular. Uh, it won't be Randy, although Randy will be flashy at times. Randy Rosarena, that is. It won't be Oscar Mercado. It won't be Jairo Munoz. It won't be Max Schrock. It won't be Delvin Perez. It won't be Alaris Montero, who we'll get to here in a second again, because everyone keeps asking about uh, good old Alaris. At least I think we're getting to Alaris. Um, and, it, you know, it, part of me almost wants to say Alaris Montero, who is the third base prospect in Peoria, who has torn the Midwest League apart. Uh, but he's still so far away. And to say that his chances of being baseball's best player at one point are, are real, right now you're talking about a less than a 5% chance of that happening, less than a 1% chance of it happening more than likely. So I'm not going to say him, uh, but it's the, the only position player who has a chance to be baseball's best player is Tyler O'Neill. Good question, though. Uh, Taylor Cruz asks a couple different things, so we're going to go to the screen here. Uh, he says, Taylor Cruz, that is, Reyes has been dominant in rehab, and his curveball has been nasty. In his time in the majors, Yachty seemed to favor his changeup over his curve. Is there a reason for this, or is it seen as less effective against major leaguers? Now, I'm not going to speak for Yachty. I will say that what I saw out of Alex Reyes in the minor leagues before he made his major league debut, that curveball's always been that nasty. Now, uh, much like with what Ryan Helsley has dealt with, he has, Reyes used to have trouble throwing it low in the zone. Now, you know, up until Mike Maddox became the pitching coach of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, that was kind of frowned upon, pitching high in the zone. Uh, so I think it's more a product of Yachty just not feeling comfortable back in the day when it wasn't the philosophy to air out a pitch that might stay high in the zone. Reyes has always been great with that change up low. He can, you know, he'll, he'll air out his fastball, but he can also get that thing low. Uh, the good news is what you're seeing with Reyes so far in his rehab is complete control of the curveball, getting it down low in the zone, getting the change up consistently down, hitting his spots, hitting his spots with the fastball. Uh, I would imagine that when you see Alex Reyes up here, uh, he'll still predominantly be fastball changeup because of how dominant and dynamic the fastball and changeup can be. But Yachty is doing a disservice, whoever the catcher is, Pena, whoever. Uh, Alex Reyes is doing himself a disservice if he's shaking it off. Uh, that pitch has always been great. It's always had the potential to be great. What separates Alex Reyes is that he has three plus, potential plus, plus pitches. And uh, that curveball is has always been dynamic, if not inconsistent, and now it's showing the consistency. So again, I won't speak for why Yachty doesn't go to the curveball as often, and I don't even know if that information is accurate. I should have checked fan graphs to see what the percentage is. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of that curve because it's nasty. And the other really interesting thing that we noticed Alex Reyes was doing in both of his rehab starts uh, that we've watched on MILBTV.com because we didn't get to watch the Palm Beach rehab start, uh, what we've noticed is that he's added a delay to his delivery. So on strike, he gets two strikes and then he might, you know, start in his windup and take that step back and hold it for a little bit maybe a couple seconds, and then go into his delivery. Just a little something to screw up the timing mechanism of the hitter. I love that. Uh, when we get Alex Reyes back, when the Cardinals get Alex Reyes back, Mr. Reyes back here in a couple weeks, in a week or whatever it ends up being, uh, 
he's going to be devastating. He's going to be devastating, and it's going to be fun to watch. Taylor, thank you so much for the question. Our next question came from at Mabry Hand, whose name on Twitter is John, Mabry, John Mabry's right hand. Uh, that's not suggestive at all. Uh, he asks, first and foremost, and this is the same question that uh, our, our video editor, Chill Nicholas Childress, asks, Victor Roach, does he have real power and upside? Now, for those of you who don't know who Victor Roach is, Victor Roach was a first-round draft pick late in the first round by the Milwaukee Brewers about 75 years ago uh, who didn't really ever take off with the Brewers. He showed signs of being a power bat with good patience, uh, but it never really manifested the way the Brewers wanted to, so they released him. The Cardinals brought him on uh, this offseason as a minor league free agent, one of the many minor league free agents in the outfield that most Cardinal fans were like, another outfielder, another outfielder, what are you going to do with all these guys? Well, Victor Roach had changed his swing during the offseason. The Cardinals recognized that they thought they could work with it, help him, and, and see how it goes. And now all Victor Roach does is hit for power. His power is very real for a minor leaguer. Absolutely. He has uh, very real, you know, double-A, triple-A power. Now, will it translate to the majors? It's tough when you're talking about a guy who's 26 years old or older raking at double-A. Uh, you know, 25 or older uh, raking at double-A because those guys are too advanced for that level. They've had too much seasoning uh, to be to be in that league, in that level, especially the Texas League, which is a hitter-friendly league. I think the power is real. I don't know what else is. Uh, I've seen him at monster shots. They're not just wall crawlers. Uh, so, yeah, the power is definitely real. It's just a matter of what it would look like at AAA if the outfield gets shuffled a little bit again. And, you know, he's a left fielder more so than anything, so his defense is a little limited. He's a little handcuffed in his defensive abilities. And, uh, you know, as far as if he can reclaim that, I saw somebody, I don't remember who it was, compare him to, like, he could be the Cardinals' next Jeremy Hazelbaker. Uh, he could be the Cardinals' power-hitting version of Jose Martinez. He's made the this, this swing change. Uh, he worked to shorten his swing instead of the launch angle. It was like a combo short angle as opposed to a really long swing like he used to have. Uh, it could be a minor league free agent gem, of course, but those are rare, few and far between. And until I see it at AAA, until I see him hitting bombs in AutoZone Park, I'm going to hold off on saying uh, exactly what his upside is. But right now, I, I, I will baseline an upside of, as somewhere in between Xavier Scruggs and the minor league depth that he presented with uh, the major league impact that Jeremy Hazelbaker has had. Somewhere in between that. Uh, maybe even sh shading towards Hazelbaker, but... Let's see what the advanced Roach can do at the next level before we start talking about what he's capable of. His next question is, is Johan Oviedo doing anything? Now, for those of you who don't know, Johan Oviedo is a 2021, he's either 20 or 21, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up because I wanna know his age. Uh, you know, these guys, their age changes throughout the season. Uh, Oviedo will be 20 for the entire season. Uh, he's a six foot six monster of a man pitching at Peoria. And to answer your question, is he doing anything? It's been bad. We talked about it a little bit in the last uh, the last prospect Macarena. Uh, it just isn't good right now. He's not throwing enough strikes. He's he's I don't know what his velocity is. The one thing I haven't heard is is his velocity reading. When he was in state college last year, it was a concern. It was a big concern. Uh, prior year after the Cardinals signed him out of Cuba during the international signing period, he was hitting mid nineties. 
Uh, last year he was living in the low 90s, but more so the high 80s. I've heard that the first couple starts he was low 90s and the, the uh, velocity has ticked up since to 92 consistently, 91 consistently. I haven't been able to get a solid clarification, so I can't say one way or the other. Um, I do think that we'll see his numbers get better as the weather gets a little warmer. Uh, but he, right now he's not doing much and I started to do my re-ranking of the top 30, the Dirty 30 prospects. And I'll be honest, he's one of my favorite prospects and he's fallen off the list as of right now. Uh, anything could happen, but he just walks too many people. He doesn't trust his stuff. He doesn't seem like he knows where the ball's going to go when he throws it. So uh, until he regains command, uh, nothing's going on with him. He's not doing anything good. Great question, though. Thank you, John Mabry's right hand. John Mabry's right hand. Uh, he also asked, who's this Alex Reyes guy, Alexander Reyes? Uh, for those, a real quick refresher course on Alexander Reyes. For those of you who don't know about Alex Reyes, he's from New Jersey, who found a nice little loophole in the international signing rules and uh, moved, down, moved down to uh, uh, the Dominican Republic, I believe, so that he could sign as an international free agent. A little jobbing of Major League Baseball's ridiculous, ridiculous rules that they don't really seem interested in changing, ever. Uh, great stuff. All right, we're going to X out all the stuff we've gone over because, as you guys know, I will lose track of that stuff. We'll get to our good friend Aaron Johnson. Aaron comments a lot on the articles at Birds on the Black, and I encourage everyone else to. Uh, we're usually pretty good about getting back to them when we have time. Uh, we try to respond to them as soon as possible, but uh, thank you, Aaron, so much for uh, for following along and having fun with us. He asks, would you rather part with Hudson or Helsley? For me, the answer is an easy, easy Dakota Hudson. Dakota Hudson really struggles against lefties. Uh, there's no room for a Rugie in Major League uh, Baseball. You know, I guess you could, you could Sergio Romo someone to death, uh, but... You know, that's the one issue with Dakota Hudson. He doesn't strike lefties out. He's been better inducing weak contact so far this year. Uh, but he's really bad against lefties, relatively speaking, compared, especially compared to Helsley. Uh, Ryan Helsley is a lot of things. And it continues to amaze me that someone as gifted and as talented as Ryan Helsley could be underrated. But every freaking day, he's underrated. Every day. You know, he's not on the 40-man. I get that. He'll be on the 40-man. They'll have to put him on the 40-man entering this offseason. Uh, Helsley throws that high-velocity, high-spin fastball. Uh, you're talking about uh, a 96 to 99-mile-an-hour fastball that gets hotter as the game goes along. His curveball changeup cutter combo all plays really well with each other. Uh, all ranging in speeds. He's deceptive. He gets lefties out. He gets righties out. He strikes lefties out. He strikes righties out. A uh, little control issue. Uh, but for the most part, Ryan Helsley does everything better than Hudson does uh, and has a more sustainable potential than Dakota Hudson does. Now, that doesn't mean that Dakota Hudson couldn't figure it out and this time next year, the answer could be something completely different. But keep in mind that I'm very biased towards Ryan Helsley because he's been one of my favorite prospects in the system for a very long time now. And, uh, you know, sometimes that makes you 
dumb when it comes to your ability to evaluate. Uh, it seems like Helsley is doing a better job of locating the breaking pitch low. We talked about it a little bit about Alex Reyes. It seems like everything is there. And now that he's in Memphis, finally, hopefully he'll stay in Memphis and, and we can get a little better feel about how it's all going to play uh, in the long run. That's a great question, though, Aaron. Thank you very much. Kevin Brown asks, better career, Hudson, Helsley, or Hicks? So we can already go ahead and throw Hudson out of this argument based on the last conversation we just had. Uh, it comes down to Helsley or Hicks, and you guys know me. I like what I've what's already produced more than I like what hasn't produced. Uh, Jordan Hicks, while he's not striking guys out, has been a really, really great pitcher for the Cardinals out of the bullpen. Uh, for the Cardinals out of the bullpen. As great as Ryan Helsley has been pitching for Springfield and now Memphis, uh, he hasn't done it yet. So if I'm hedging my bets, I will take the guy who's already doing it over the guy who hasn't done it yet 100 times. My own personal belief, that's just how I do it. Now, I do have that worry, that concern, that the way that the Cardinals have handled Jordan Hicks might come back to bite Hicks in the long run. I think, I think Jordan Hicks is tremendously talented. I think he has the brains to keep it all together. Uh, he could be truly unique if given a little bit more time to develop. We see now that two-seamer is nasty, and it can run really hard sometimes and sink really hard sometimes, but it doesn't do it consistently enough. That's the kind of consistency that he would have been able to gain with a few more innings in the minor leagues. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have a developed third pitch. You know, his changeup he would throw very inconsistently in the minors, but it seemed good enough at the levels that he was pitching at. Uh, and then his slurvy slider curvy, uh, which is more of a slurve and a slider, can be vicious. He just doesn't throw it often enough for it to get the needed development. So I, I say needed development, but the development needed is really what it is. You know, it would, I believe, and I've, I've believed this since the beginning, I'm so happy about the success that he's had. I'm personal. I, I consider myself to be a big fan of his family. They're awesome people, uh, as most of our Prospects After Dark listeners know. Uh, but he just, uh, you know, I, I just want what's best for him. And I love that he's, he's helped the major leagues. But I can't help but think that what's best for him is to eventually find his way back to the minors and stretch back out to start. Because I think he needs the innings, and I think he needs the development time. Uh, we saw with Trevor Rosenthal, who's an easy comparison to make, a guy who was dominant for four years, but could have, I believe, could have lasted longer and been better more consistently than than maybe he was uh, if he just would have been given a little bit more time to develop his secondary offerings and his command. It's kind of where we're at with with Hicks right now. He's getting away with stuff because his stuff is nasty, but it's just like it's not that fully developed. Uh, package that he could be if given time to develop a little further. But think about it this way. He's not that fully developed package yet, and he's still getting major league hitters out. It goes to show you with just a little bit more development time, he could truly be a bear to deal with. So if I have to choose, I'll say Hicks over Helsley by a narrow margin, uh, and I think that they could both be staples in a major league clubhouse for years on end. Uh, Brendan, Brendan, B-Sports2193 asks, is Jonathan Machado Magnuri Sierra 2.0? And the answer to that question, as I've been saying for a very, very long time now, is for the most part, yeah. 
Yeah, so what we saw out of uh, Magnuri Sierra a couple years back is the Cardinals, after he hit 386 in the Gulf Coast League, the Cardinals were aggressive about promoting him to a full season club. Uh, and he didn't do well, and they had to shut him down early and send him back to short season uh, before he, he started 2016 back in Peoria. That looks like that's the, uh, the, the exact track that Jonathan Machado's on. Jonathan Machado makes better contact and more consistent contact than Magnuria Sierra does. Jonathan Machado takes a better at bat, but he's not half, uh, he's not quite the quality outfielder that Magnuria Sierra is. His arm is substantially weaker than Magnuria Sierra ever was. Um, he's quick, he does that stuff, but I, I guess if we wanted to make this as simple as possible, yeah, Jonathan Machado has found his way on a lot of top 30 prospect lists. He never made it onto the Dirty 30. He was never in my top 30. Um, he is not, yeah, he is mostly Magnara Sierra. He has that kind of speed. He has a def that kind of defensive range. He hits with the same authority or lack thereof that uh, Magnara Sierra hits with. They're both small guys. 5'8", 160. You know, probably be listed at 5'9", 165, 170. 5'10", 165, 170. Uh, but the difference is Machado makes more solid and frequent contact and Sierra ha has a better outfield arm and is a better outfielder all around. So uh, I think from a long-term prospect standpoint, yeah, they have similar value long-term. Good question though. Thank you, Brendan. Uh, our last question comes from Alex Burton and his question is, is Bryce Denton still considered a quote high upside prospect? Uh, his second question is what happened to Junior Fernandez? Uh, first question, is Bryce Denton still considered a high upside prospect? Well, I don't think so. Uh, technically, yes, he's considered a high upside prospect because he still has all the tools, he still has all the abilities, but it just hasn't manifested. Uh, he does have high upside, but what he has is a very small chance, as of right now, of reaching his his full head above shoulders upside. Uh, that's a dumb and poorly put way of saying that the high upside's there, but the chances of him reaching that upside are, are smaller now than they've ever been. Uh, he's a very solid outfielder. He does a very good job. He's got a strong arm out in the outfield. He's a good corner outfielder. Uh, his bat is still kind of wonky, you know? When he makes contact, he hits the ball pretty hard. And he has a very good approach at the plate, even if he strikes out maybe a little too much. Uh, but you can still see the seeds there of why the Cardinals drafted him so early on in the draft. And, and why at one point he was considered a top 20 to top 30 prospect in the organization. It's just that right now, it hasn't all come together for him. And with this being his second tour at Peoria, even though last year he dealt with the appendicitis, that really, really hurt his entire 2017 season. Uh, the fact that he isn't hitting the cover off the ball, much like Nick Plummer isn't hitting the cover off the ball, is a concerning. But Nick Plummer is starting to show signs of coming out of that. Uh, and Bryce Denton does that, but then, just like last year, he kind of hits rock bottom again. So, right now, he's been hitting really well. I think he has 11 hits in 14 games or something like that. Uh, maybe 12 hits in 15 games. And the defense is there for the level, for sure. It's just that while he is still a high upside prospect, uh, the chances of him ever reaching his potential are pretty 25%-ish right now. 
The next question from Alex Burton is, what happened to Junior Fernandez? Uh, the short of the long is, last year, they had to sh the Cardinals shut Junior Fernandez down early. Uh, they did it because he was dealing with shoulder fatigue. Now, Junior Fernandez was throwing at the start of spring training, and the Cardinals shut him down before the Palm Beach season began. Uh, I've heard that it is fatigue related to that arm, and the fact that he hasn't pitched in a game so far this season uh, is of tremendous concern to me. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Junior Fernandez is, he's a 21-year-old, prior used to be a flamethrower. Uh, he was mentioned often along the same lines as... Sandy Alcantara, to kind of give you an idea if you've never heard of Junior Fernandez before. Um, he, was, he was considered that type of prospect, but as Alcantara climbed the ladder, Fernandez got hurt, uh, and that really stunted his growth. He, he's 21 now, uh, and he hasn't pitched this year, and he had a good fastball and a, good, a really, really underrated changeup, probably the best changeup in the organization that hadn't made a major league debut yet. Um, so what happened to him? It, he's hurt. And I haven't heard an update in a very long time about him. Uh, I don't believe he underwent a surgery, but I can't say for sure. I'll do a little digging, and we'll try to find something out. Uh, but that's, uh, that's where Junior Fernandez is, and that's uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look promising right now. I'm the type of person who's way more concerned always about a shoulder injury as opposed to a, a elbow injury because they still don't really have a foolproof way of protecting the shoulder, of helping the shoulder recover uh, whereas Tommy John's surgery really really helps the, el the elbow uh, when the elbow gets wonky in the UCL tears so that's where Junior Fernandez is well that was supposed to be our last question but Tom Thumbs Blues asked me via direct message uh, a very a long-winded question sort of but uh, I'm gonna try to read over it really quick and then boil it down Blah, blah, blah. The question is about Oscar Mercado. Uh, the Cardinals are flush with outfield prospects, but an increasing number of evaluators are starting to write up Mercado as some one of the best of them. Why is that? That's, that's generally what Tommy Thumbs Blue, Tom Thumbs Blues on Twitter is saying. Uh, what I will tell you, and it's something that I've written about before in the Dirty 30 write-up of Oscar Mercado, you know, he was really great for the first half of the double-A season last year, and then he got hurt, hurt the shoulder, and then he was really bad for the second half. And then the Cardinals sent him to the Arizona Fall League, and his stats were just pedestrian. They weren't anything to, to, to get too excited about. But what wasn't known by a lot of people at the time is that he went to Arizona with the intent of working on plate discipline, di discipline and pitch recognition and uh, that is really what's propelled him to his terrific start in Memphis this year uh, he's played a great center field uh, more than likely he's the best defensive center fielder in the organization uh, people are high they're really really high on Harrison Bader for what he's done but he, I'll take Oscar Mercado over Harrison Bader in center uh, personally but right now Mercado and I just pulled it up is slashing 318, 379, 457 for an OPS of 836. He has five home runs and six doubles and 151 at-bats, and he's only struck out 22 times. 
Uh, that's his K rate, what, right around 16%, 15%. That's really good. While walking 15 times, you're seeing him develop. Uh, that is a lot of the reason why Oscar Mercado is rising up the rankings. Again, he's hitting with a little bit of power in a hitter-friendly league. He's a very good, very good defensive center fielder uh, who's starting to clean up, clean up some of the things that I wrote about in his write-up that I was concerned about. Uh, fielding grounders, maybe making a weak throw sometimes when he could unload that gun. Uh, and we're seeing the work that he put in in the Arizona Fall League to become a better all-around hitter instead of trying to put up gaudy numbers to impress in a league where you can make a big impression. Uh, we're seeing all of that pay off. He's working counts, he's getting hitters pitches, getting into hitters counts, and that's why Oscar Mercado is starting to climb up the rankings. Uh, you know, drawing a comparison, it's so hard to do. You know, I think, when I think of John Jay, the next John Jay in the organization, I think of Scott Hurst, who was a Cardinals 96th overall pick, their third round pick, which so happened to be their first round pick, or their first overall pick in the 2017 draft. I think about Scott Hurst as John Jay. With Oscar Mercado, it's not easy to make a comparison. You know, I, I think there's a lot of Dexter Fowler in Oscar Mercado's game. Mercado has stolen 10 bases in 15 attempts. He's speedy, like Fowler used to be before Fowler hurt that foot uh, all those years ago. He's something like Dexter Fowler. I, without thinking about it too much, and I'll be honest, I don't remember what I wrote in the Dirty 30. I think I might have put Ivan DeJesus or uh, David DeJesus. Ivan DeJesus. I, I think I might have put David DeJesus as that type of comp. Uh, he's a really talented kid, and he's on the 40, man. So if the Cardinals suffer a couple injuries, don't be surprised if they go to him. Uh, at the very least, he's a defensive replacement. And, uh, man, it just goes to show you that while the Cardinals don't have a lot of... They, right now, they don't seem to have a lot of, like, super high upside players in the organization. Uh, guys who have the potential to be top 100 prospects. Ooh. Uh, guys who have the potential to be the best player in baseball at one point. They have a lot of guys who are major league impact players. And uh, that is worth getting excited about. Now... Uh, that was our final question. This wraps up what is now episode six of the Prospect Macarena. Uh, I am Kyle Reese for Birds on the Black. Uh, keep an eye on what we're doing at Birds on the Black. It's incredible. Uh, Tara Wellman does her uh, about last night's the videos that recap prior games. She does the uh, uh, the the series previews where she'll get a writer on that writes about uh, the team that the Cardinals are about ready to play, and they'll talk it out. Uh, she she's absolutely incredible, terribly terribly charming as well. Uh, Cardinals gifts and Enchill, they're they're bringing they're bringing the video noise is what they're doing. The gif and video noise, they're incredible. Uh, Alex Crisofoli wrote an amazing article uh, on what is Tuesday about the last time the Cardinals pitched back to back great starts like Flaherty and Michaelis just pitched on Sunday and Monday, and you have to go back to 2013 to get that. And when you talk about strikeouts, you've got to go all the way back to 1972 to get that. Uh, SEO Cup of Joe is doing his athletic thing for the most part, but he still chimes in. And Zach Gifford wrote a great article about Marcelo Zuna and how his swing and stance change might have impacted his power. But uh, uh, again, I'm Kyle Reese. This is the Prospect Macarena. Uh, hopefully we'll do these once a week. Hit me up at KYLER416 at yahoo.com if you have any questions that you want asked if you're not on Twitter. And if you're on Twitter, hit me up at KYLER416 
and uh, I'll answer your questions the next time we do this. I love this. I love the participation. Uh, keep that up. Uh, if you watch this or listen to this, you're part of the resistance. And as always, happy hunting. Smooches.